0: we recording. We're recording. Da, 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 da. We're recording. Look at us, Billy. Look at us. Look at okay. us doing a podcast, Billy.
1: Yep. Look at us do it. <laughs> this is Everybody's crazy. Looking. We're
0: still doing this thing. Yeah. I don't I even. Like I don't even understand. We've got people listening to us. So that's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I. Didn't, I fun. wasn't sure if anyone would listen. To this thing, but people are listening, and I, I assume people are enjoying. I hope so. That's why we're well, doing we it. I haven't heard anything negative. I I haven't. I have heard no. nothing negative.
1: Five I, stars though.
0: Five stars. I've been hearing positive things. Nice from family members because they're the only ones I talk to. But I haven't. You know, I'm not seeing yep. anyone posting on Facebook or Twitter that you suck, you jerk asses.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, yes
0: So that being the case Maybe I was way off on the impression Let's just say
1: that's it <laughs> Until we hear from him And then we'll go from there I really hope we didn't offend him Because Joe Dante literally has made some of my favorite films I know I really wanted to know that
0: like Anyway, that. that was just a random little side thing But yeah y- Yes Alright, alright, here we go
1: Dude Dude I'm really excited for this one because you
0: don't know anything about movies. Well, Joe Dante did uh, reach out to us to tell us that we were way off. And way actually, off I was thinking about that the other day. Okay. Now, when I did that podcast, and uh-huh. I don't remember, I, I haven't re listened to it yet, but I was, okay. isn't that the podcast where I did my impression? Of Joe Dante the director through the whole podcast where I did this like when I did the, when I was quoting him wasn't I doing a voice
1: this is a real paradigm shift from when I was a kid when I was a kid this was the scary of the scaries like this movie scared me so bad I had a hard time coming back to it as a teenager and now I look at it and I'm like it's way more sad than it is scary you it's, know what I mean? It's
0: sad, but it's also very entertaining and funny. Uh, it's it's g- it's like bro. one of the first horror comedies. Like not first, but like it, I'd say it's one of the first horror comedies that I saw, as, right. that introduced me to this genre. That hey, horror can be super scary and pretty funny too.
1: Kind of silly, yeah. Like, I attribute William Catt's character in this to kind of by, be like the precursor to Tom Hanks' character in The Burbs. Oh, the way Oh, re- yeah. The way he reacts to things.
0: Yeah. All right, all right, you know before I mean? we go any further, uh, yes, before we go I'm any sorry. further, we are teasing, we are teasing the conversation that is coming. Hello, I'm Joey Parr, editor-in-chief of geektyrant.com and host of secret level and joining me today is the ghoulish Billy Fisher and I am the editor-in-chief of your minds (laughs) dude that's awesome I hope so yeah that's what I do that would be amazing My mind could really use an Editor-in-Chief.
1: Well, that's what I'm here for. I get paid the big bucks for this.
0: I won't lie. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the classic 1985 horror comedy, House. Beautiful. It is a beautiful film, isn't it?
1: It's so much better now than... Like, like we were talking about, I thought it was scary at first. Yeah. But now, like, George Wentz' timing in this movie is, is just classic. It's top notch.
0: Let's talk about, let's just go through the cast list real quick. Yeah. Uh, director and cast list. Yes, please. So, well, first of all, the movie was written by Fred Decker, mm-hmm. the guy who wrote Monster Squad. Yeah, boy. Yeah. And a few other projects over the years. But we're talking about the 80s, so we're going to stick with his 80s resume. Right. It was directed by Steve Miner, mm-hmm. and it stars
1: William Cat as our main protagonist. You would know him from The Greatest American Hero. The
0: Greatest American Hero. Yep, he Such plays Such a great Roger show. Cobb.
1: Yeah. It, oh, dude, we're going to get into that because that's the only show that I've ever known that they changed the main character's name in the middle of the
0: series. Yes. It also starred George Wendt. George Wendt. Of Cheers. Norm. Norm from Cheers. I love that he's in this movie. <laughs>
1: Joey and, and I were talking about this. It
0: is so funny. He's, he's so, so funny. He's so great. He's so nonchalant about everything. He's just so laid back.
1: And the thing is, is okay. My quote is from him. It's a conversation between him and William Cat. But I told this to Joey before we even filmed or, or talked about this. It's still one of the classic comedy lines I've ever heard. But we'll get to that when we get to the quotes at the end of this.
0: Oh man, you're gonna make everybody wait. Yes. There is this Um, great scene, though, with George Went near the beginning of the movie after Roger Cobb moves into his aunt's old house. (laughs) And he's like, he recognizes that it's Roger Cobb, right? Oh. And out of his back pocket, (laughs) he pulls out this novel that is just falling apart and, like, drops it on the ground.
1: There's no cover. There's There's no 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 spine.
0: I'm just like, he's carrying this... Book around with them just for what? <laughs> this this book this this broken spineless book of Roger Look, Cobb, one of his books, and and in a
1: very frantic way, he is like Roger Cobb's savior in this yes. movie. Yes, but we'll we'll get to that. Richard Mull, who plays Bull on Night Court, was in it.
0: Yes, a, he was a
1: younger version of Bull was in this and I dude, I always thought he was the, the largest man alive. Any just he, from
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, he just it was so He was bigger than life. He had a bigger than life thing, uh size and voice and this just this presence for sure.
1: Yep. And and this means nothing to you, but it means a lot to me. Um the realtor in it is a guy named Michael Enzine,
0: Dude, the realtor is amazing in this movie. And he's only in it for like five minutes, but he steals every scene that he's in.
1: Well, you know what's crazy about that? I know him as Mike. My only acting gig that I ever did was like this six-part series of teaching kids in Japan how to speak English. Uh It was like hooked on phonics. okay where I would have to read these lines and they would say it in Japanese and then I would read it in English. All right. And it was me and Mike Enzyme. He was the adult voice in it.
0: That's amazing. I did not know that Billy.
1: Right. Isn't it crazy? So like when he popped up on screen, I was like, Hey, that's Mike. And, and Jessica's like, what? And I was like, I worked with that guy for like three months. (laughs) Like that was, it was crazy. I loved it. I, I yeah. love that
0: scene where he's showing the house and they're in the in the shed, and he's he picks up <laughs> this harpoon gun in the middle of a conversation and like accidentally fires it off, and the harpoon just barely misses Rogers' head and like sticks out of the post, the wooden post next to him, and he's just like, "Oops, sorry about that." <laughs> Oh, and dude. then he just goes on talking like nothing like ever nothing happened. Nothing happened. And Roger's like just he, looking at him like, like he what did the almost the hell, just man? shoot this guy through the face with a harpoon <laughs> gun.
1: He laughed about
0: it, which is even better. He's all, <laughs> that
1: happens. And then, okay, but first, okay, we have a lot to talk about in this one because I really enjoy what we're going to get into. But first, I need to know what did you do this week?
0: All right. All right. Uh, by the time we've posted this, The Lord of the Rings has been out on Amazon for a few weeks already. Mm -hmm. At this point, I've only watched the first couple episodes. Yes. And I just want to say, because this show is getting review-bombed by internet trolls, and it's pissing me off that people are hating on this show because it's so good. It's like one of the best... Fantasy series, actual, real, full-on fantasy series that I've seen in a long time. And I'm like, this is an amazing show. I just am like, they're watching a completely different show than I am because it is the most beautiful, visually stunning Series I've seen, the writing is great. The story so far is the great. Acting is fantastic. The acting is amazing. Like I am just completely blown away by this show. This is good character development. And I'm the venting problem. right now. I am. I'm I in a are. venting mood because it it is just one of those things where I'm just like, ah, why are trolls being trolls? Like why it, It makes me sad that Mm -hmm. people can't watch this and enjoy it. It makes me sad that people would rather see—I don't even see how they're seeing anything bad with it, but how they're just missing the greatness of what this series is delivering. (sighs) And it's exhausting.
1: Yeah, I understand. No, it's To me, they're like cinematic masterpieces because they're like movies in each episode.
0: Uh, it's so, yes. You it's know just what I mean? beautiful,
1: Billy. It is. Uh, um, I'm really excited. I'm glad there's a five-year plan on this. I'm ready for the five seasons.
0: I am too. I am this 100% is- on board with the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Damn the trolls. I don't, I just, I can't. It's just we such just a good understand. show.
1: It's it's amazing. And that's that's what's, what's killing me, dude, is that we're getting a new story. And it's not new. It's something that we've heard about. There's been mentions of this. There's been little drops throughout the story the whole, about what's happening.
0: Yeah, and this whole series, because Amazon only owns the rights to The Hobbit and to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's it. They don't have the rights to anything else. Warner Brothers has some rights to some stuff uh the similarian the, the Tolkien estate won't even put won't even let anybody touch that, right? They're right, keeping right. that to themselves. They are saying, no, you're we are not gonna give you this. So this series is being built off of the appendices from the Lord of the Rings like yes. the appendices. And they have done a fantastic job. So it's good. It's beautiful. <laughs> It's It's hard hard living online these days.
1: It is because it not only gives the positive people power, but it gives the negative people power also. So we just got to ignore them. What about you, Bill? Um, I got into that, and I also finished season two of Only Murders in the Building. Oh, nice. Um, Like you, you know what I'm talking about on this. I have a sweet spot for Steve Martin and Martin Short.
0: Yeah, they're my faves.
1: They are fantastic. And just to see them together, and it feels like they're at their, where they were when they're in top form. Yeah. So I just, I'm enjoying their banter with each other. They make Selena Gomez look really good in this, and they they build her up, which is good. The side characters are fantastic. It's really well written. It's nowhere near to the Rings of Power, but it is still a really fun show, and I'm excited for season three of that one. Yep. So. (sighs)
0: So on to House. Synopsis. Here we go. Let's go. A Vietnam vet turned horror novelist returns to his boyhood home to find that it has been invaded by ghosts and ghouls. That's it. That's it. That's That's all they gave us. That's the synopsis, everybody. What they don't tell you is that, well, the Vietnam vet, his name is Roger Cobb. He is a horror novelist, and he was married with a child, and while living in the house, his child disappeared in the middle of the day. He was just, Roger was just trimming some hedges, looked down at his son, his son smiled while he was playing with some toy cars, he looked back and started trimming the hedges again, and immediately looked back to his son, who was gone.
1: Oh, oh! He oh. was in the pool
0: in the pool, so they're running around in a panic, like I can't find him, I can't find him, and then they find him it's like splashing around in the pool, Roger dives in, save him, and then nothing there, and then his aunt, <laughs> Miss Hooper <laughs> she got th- she gets all freaky, you know, with like Ed Billy during that scene where they're mm-hmm. being interviewed with the police and stuff and they they're like trying to figure as like uh Roger's like I saw him he was in the pool I dove in and he was gone and then that you know Miss Hooper walks in
1: mm-hmm.
0: looks at the cop and like put, gives him this big like Cheshire cat smile right mm-hmm. and then and then she's like, "It was the house. It was the house that did it." And then there's the wife, that kind of pops in, and is like, "Shut up, you old bag." And then the, you know, his aunt just like makes this like, like joke about it, like, <laughs> "Touchy," like she right. just lost her kid. <laughs>
1: Yo, bitch.
0: Her kid is gone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, no wonder these two got separated. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know. That, it was it was a, it was, was awkward,
1: and I really didn't get the point of her reacting like that.
0: Yeah. But the movie started off with a uh, kid delivering groceries to the house. And I kind of want to talk about this because, well, a couple reasons. First of all, the the opening
1: shot was fantastic.
0: Yeah. First of all, the kid walks in, and he presents himself. Hello? It's me, Grocery Boy. Yep, that's exactly what he says. It's me, Grocery Boy. Does Grocery Boy not have a name? No. It just made me laugh, because you'd think that this kid, if he was comfortable enough to walk into her house to drop the groceries off that Mm -hmm. he and Miss Hooper would be on like on a first name basis kind of thing. So they're like, hey, it's me, Ryan. I'm here with the groceries, right? Not, hey, it's me, grocery boy. But he walks upstairs and all of a sudden Miss Hooper comes swinging in a frame. She had hung herself. Now, when I was a kid, This is the first time I had ever seen anyone hang themselves. Oh, definitely. And it kind of, I think, messed me up a little bit because that visual of the old woman hanging is something that has always been seared into my memory. It's something that comes up every once in a while for no reason. It's something Uh that comes up in dreams that I have still. Over the years, as I've grown up, like, Miss Hooper hanging has kind of, like, embedded itself into my brain. Like, that visual kind Crazy. of screw, screwed me over a little bit. Right. It didn't ruin my opinion of the movie. I still think the movie's great. And, I, and right. I, I as a kid, I remember just, like, oh, my... Like, I remember I was in shock. Like, I didn't know what to think. Like, oh, my gosh. I've never... Uh, as a kid, I've never seen anything like that before, right?
1: Right. It was intense.
0: Yeah, it's intense for a kid.
1: It it is a shocking scene because it's like a jump scare because it comes from out of she like swings into frame. Yeah, where you just think it's a nice, fine room and then there, psh, there she is.
0: But and Billy, I think we're going to get to your quote a little early here, and I'm sorry uh, for that. It's okay. Because I just want to talk about Miss Hooper here for a minute. Yes. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on this. (laughs) Understandably. You've got the guy at the funeral that is like, she wasn't crazy. She was a good woman, right? Hmm. But then you've got George Went saying, go ahead, (laughs) give him your quote now, Bill. (laughs) Oh, man. Hold on, hold on. Let let me,
1: I don't want to misrepresent my quote because this is, um, the way it goes is fantastic. (laughs) Hey, it's great to have a new neighbor. woman who lived here before was nuts. Biggest bitch under the sun. Just a senile old hag, really. Wouldn't be surprised if someone just got fed up and offed her. You know what I mean? And Roger says, she was my aunt. He said, heart of gold, though. Just uh, a saint, really. Ah, such a beautiful woman for her age.
0: Just a heart of gold. heart of gold. It's just funny, though, because... Then you've got the realtor, too, that has his own opinions on her. And so it's like throughout the whole uh, film, you just get these different opinions on the type of person Miss Hooper is. While some people liked her, other Mm -hmm. people thought she was a complete nut. And I just thought that was funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I kind of was on the horrible person train with that one, the way she reacted after the, the kid went missing. Yeah. Mr. Jimmy
0: then of course, there's all the paintings in the house, the yeah. creepy ass paintings, which we'll get to. yep, we'll get to yeah. that, but I don't know this was a great this is a great movie, and i i I watched it twice, oh, me too, in preparation for this, because I watched it, and I'm like, my gosh, that was so much fun, and so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch it again
1: <laughs> i I like the fact that the the monster or the, the, the ghost in the house took on his biggest fears. You know yes. what I mean?
0: Yes, yes. 100%. we are going to get to
1: that, but yes. I, I, that just made me feel good because it was like, it wasn't just a normal, hey, I'm a scary ghost. No, this ghost was so malevolent that it was taking on his biggest fears and throwing it in his face.
0: Yeah, exactly. And before we get in the meat, potatoes of this thing, there's so many funny scenes in this movie. It seems to just make me laugh and seems that also make me question certain aspects about what the hell's going on. Yes. Uh, for example, when he's staying in the house, mm-hmm. this woman that he just met who jogs around the neighborhood...
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: ...total stranger, all of a sudden shows up one night with her kid. It was like, hey, take my kid and watch him. I'm going to trust my kid with with you, a complete stranger... She
1: said, he, dude, she said, you look so kind in your eyes. When she met him, the dude looked crazy as shit. I he's trying to bury a ghost in his backyard. Yes, he's like, he's, yes. I'm like, that's the guy you want watching your kid? I mean, come on. And then he chases the kid around because he's got a, a disembodied hand on his back. And Distant, he's trying to get.
0: Exactly. And, you know, and then he's. And he then traps him in the bathroom. And then, there's, then he's like. When he brings him out, he's like, "It's okay. I just had to take him to the bathroom. I helped him." Like, you just helped this strange little boy <laughs> go into the bathroom.
1: Oh my gosh! It's just
0: there's a lot of funny stuff for, that just made me laugh. But while they're staying there, and this kind of goes back to our last episode, Billy, the mm-hmm. boy gets kidnapped by two garbage Pail kid characters.
1: <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! Try pulling him up the chimney, right? When yep. I saw that, I'm like, "Oh my gosh! They're garbage Pail kids." <laughs>
1: That's what they, they looked like. They totally Balding did. eyes. And yeah, I was like, and then you never see those ghosts again. Yeah. That was the, what the, where'd you come from? Did those kids die in that fireplace? I have no whatever.
0: idea, man. I don't know. I wish, the house but, was crazy. They were creepy. It was They're, nuts.
1: Yep. Like this kid, and the best part is, is this kid's smiling as two ghosts are trying to pull him up the chimney. And <laughs> Roger's hanging on his feet at the, the bottom of the chimney.
0: And this kid's just like, This is the best time I've ever had. Surprised he didn't get his arm sockets pulled out. That's what I was saying. I was like, This is too much. It's so, But I loved it. I loved it. Yes. I love the ridiculousness of it.
1: Oh, My favorite when he goes uh, all home alone inside in all its full army paraphernalia.
0: Oh, it's great. Oh yeah. And he goes jumping was... outside and George went is out there with his dog on the lawn. <laughs>
1: uh he just always seems to be there. Not always when you want him there, but he's just always there.
0: And then there's the whole thing where he's like, I got to get back in because uh and they, and earlier in the movie they have this big conversation about solitude. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because that word solitude, whenever I hear it, it immediately goes back. My mind immediately reverts back to house. Like, oh, I learned what solitude meant from house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
1: Oh, With all this craziness, how how they come up with this is my question.
0: So this was actually Fred Decker's ideas. And, it, and the idea was originally inspired by the Twilight Zone movie.
1: Okay. After Good seeing movie.
0: that film, Decker and his friends got together, and they wanted to make their own independent anthology movie. Okay. That was kind of their plan. The project was never completed, but Decker used his idea for an unproduced segment of that film for House, and that's okay. kind of where House was born. So, Decker wrote the screenplay as a traditional horror film at first, with there was no humor in it at all. The humor uh-huh. was added later on. And uh, that was added by Ethan Wiley, whose background was in practical makeup effects. Okay. And, but he went and took the script and punched it up with some comedy. And that's how. That came about when talking about this, and this was all, there's a documentary out there, and Decker talks about this, and he says, my initial idea for a directorial debut was this. A guy goes into a house at the beginning. At the end, he comes out, and in between is the scariest shit I could possibly think of. (laughs) He said it would be a straightforward haunted house movie, And I would film it in my parents' 100-year-old Victorian mansion in Marin County, California. So this is his original plan. But for some reason, I was putting off actually writing the screenplay. This might have been laziness or fear of tackling a politically dicey, thematically ambitious premise. Or maybe I was just too busy with my day job writing Steve Miner's Godzilla King of the Monsters 3D. Steve had negotiated with Toho for the rights to the big green guy and had passed over many better-known and better writers to give me my first break in the Hollywood salt mines. At some point, it occurred to me, what if my Twilight Zonet and my Scary Haunted House movie were one and the same? What if my protagonist is the Vietnam vet and the reason he's going into the house is to exercise his personal demons once and for all? The heck with my... Paddle guys, and I quote, paddle guys anthology video. I had a real movie idea now. Enter Ethan Wiley. Ethan was my college roommate and remains one of my best friends. And at that point, Ethan Wiley came in. This is one of his best friends. They've written, they they wrote, they wrote plays together in college. They collaborated. He pitched his idea for House, and Wiley's response was. He says, immediate and enthusiastic. Sounds great. Let me take a crack at it. And he finished that script in roughly the time it takes me to go to the bathroom, is what, is what uh, Decker Decker said. Oh, so Decker was the story man, not the screenplay man. He was the idea man behind the movie. Yes. I said, I said he was screenwriter earlier, but he did work on the script, though. They did play yes. around with it together. So, yes. Anyway, okay. Q ethical dilemma. Here my buddy had done what I had been too lazy to do. He actually sat down and wrote the damn thing. Now I had a script and a house to shoot in. All I needed was financing. There was one problem. That was not that I didn't like the script. Only that it veered from my initial vision in a rather dramatic way. It was a comedy. What I had conceived as a gritty black and white, William Frederikin-style character study, come balls out of the core film, was now a tongue-in-cheek, Mad Magazine-style, effects-heavy, <laughs> nanny with goofy neighbors and, a comic, and comical monsters. I had a decision to make. Should I tell Ethan I wanted to make a different kind of movie and endanger the friendship? I decided to seek another opinion, preferably a professional one. I chose my boss, Steve Miner, who loved House at first sight, and as it turned out, was looking for something of his own to direct. He showed the script to Sean Cunningham, who it seems had access to that pesky old financing. So, with the understanding that Steve and Sean would support me directing something else in the future, I let my baby be adopted and raised by others if you'll pardon the ridiculous analogy. Thus, House was built. Two ironic footnotes. The film that ended up being my directorial debut, Night of the Creeps, was a tongue-in-cheek Mad Magazine-style comic horror film and its talented second-unit director, some guy named Steve Miner. There you go. Yep.
1: Yeah, look... If you're looking at it in a serious way, I can see how some people would be bothered by this movie. But if you realize that it's just supposed to be funny. Yes. It it hits all the beats.
0: Exactly. And New World Pictures didn't understand that this would be a comedy, but they were pleasantly surprised with the end result. And Steve Miner had options with other studios. He, you know... He, There was a point where it was at 20th Century Fox, but at the time they were just giving him so many notes. But when it came to New World Pictures, they backed him on all of his creative decisions and gave him the creative freedom that he wanted.
1: Which is what was necessary.
0: Exactly. So if Decker kind of went on to talk about his involvement with the movie, saying that he solved a few last-minute problems, but mostly he was the, and I quote, grinning bystander, for my first big screen credit, it was pretty awesome to walk onto the stages at Rally Studios, which was across the street from Paramount Pictures, where this entire set of Roger Cobb's house was built. And so he just got to go spend time there. There's also, he talked about there was a hilly jungle, Vietnam jungle that was at the studios that they had built. He says I watched them shoot several of Big Ben scenes both before and after his demise. yeah, he says he was excited to be there. And, you know, especially at the time, he was mostly just a college student. Like, he was still, like, in the process of learning the art of filmmaking. Right. So, and also he talked about House 2, which we'll probably eventually talk about. But he says that was even more fun since Ethan and I were shooting at the same time at the Culver Studios Studios in Culver City. He says, I was doing the Monster Squad... And it was like college all over again. If I had a few spare moments, I'd nip over and watch Ari Gross battling the gun-slinging zombie, and Ethan would follow me to my soundstage and watch us blow up Wolfman. It was a time I remember with great fondness. It does sound like a lot of fun. It does.
1: Especially when you got those two other movies going on at the same time, House 2 and The Monster Squad. That would be fantastic to go back and forth between the two.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would have been making movies like this back in the '80s must have been fun. Like making something like the Monster Squad and House and those movies. There's just something about those, and they and they they have this lasting power to them where they're always just fun to watch, no matter how many times you watch them. You know what I mean?
1: Right. I really hope we do House Two after doing this one because that was a fun movie too.
0: Oh yeah, we're we're gonna get the House Two. We're gonna get the House Two for sure. Now, the first screening for industry professionals after Uh the movie was made was a disaster. Of course it was. Nothing worked. So director Steve Miner still knew that they had something special. But that first cut just wasn't it. So he ended up taking it back to the editing room. And four weeks later after that, he came out with this final cut complete with its musical score solid, tighter editing, and it ended up being a big success. Everyone liked it. So whatever that he did to that second cut was like a huge plus for him and everyone who worked on that film. Right. So a lot of films that were coming out in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, some of the major themes that these films dealt with was the mental trauma of the Vietnam War. And this movie dealt with that in a very interesting way right cuz it did it different than all of those other movies that were coming out
1: <laughs> right well it took a it took a more um with the comedy there was a more serious turn to it
0: yeah so you had these serious aspects where seriously Roger Cobb was dealing with post traumatic stress disorder right and it was, it's interesting to see how they handled that in this movie. Because not only was he dealing with real mental effects of, of being in war, but he was also dealing with the tragedy of losing his son, being separated from his wife, and seeing just these crazy creatures and monsters running around his house, torturing him, basically. Right. And so you've got all of these things, these nightmares, flashbacks. And it's just kind of like coming to a head.
1: Right. Well, he's trying to build it all up to write this book, and it's affecting him a lot more negatively than he expected.
0: Yes. So he is. while he's at the house, and I don't think we talked about this earlier, but he stayed in the house so he could write his book, which is a book based on his experiences in Vietnam. And at one point, he's signing books, and when he tells one of the – Uh, one of his fans, that this is going to be his next book, his fans are like, oh, man, another one, right? Like, oh, here we go. But he had, as therapy, he had to get that story out, and he knew that, and he had, yeah, anyway. I it, it So it dealt with serious subject matter as well. So you've got this comedy, you've got this horror, but then also you've got this real drama, this tragedy behind this guy who watched one of his best friends die. And blamed yeah. himself for it,
1: right? And then watching his son randomly disappear in the pool—kind of like the same thing. Yeah, it's just I could have done something, but I couldn't get it done in time.
0: Yeah, but I, I like that aspect of the film too, because it did give it get, did give some insight into that aspect of of people's lives, right? Right. People, Absolutely. So, you know, there are people that can relate to that kind of thing. Um, kind of moving away from that and going into some special effects stuff and some monster Mm -hmm. stuff because monsters are always cool. I had no idea until now that the monster that comes barreling out of the closet was designed to look like the napalmed bodies from Vietnam with bullets for fingers. That's crazy. It was a perf- it, it's just said to be a it's said to be a personification of his Vietnam experience. The faces in it were actually all part of the people that worked on the film too. So there what? are multiple faces on this thing. Yes. Like and like there's a meaning behind it. Like this is this is his monster Right, his Vietnam monster come to life in physical form, attacking him. Like that is some deep, crazy shit.
1: Right, I'm just really upset because I liked that monster, and we barely got to see any of it. It yeah, was just barely over,
0: in and out, in and out. But there's a lot of work to went in designing that thing. So there, and that monster was called the War Demon, by the way. Okay, and the, and it's just was this giant puppet that was 18 feet long. And it was operated by fifteen people. Crazy. Yeah, so there are a That's lot. A lot. Of, yeah, and it's only there for not very long, right?
1: I think you got less than ten seconds of it total. Yeah, because it flashes out and scratches him the first time, and then it comes out and grabs him the second time to bring him back. But that was it. That's all we got.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. I learned that the special effects shop that did all the monsters and this stuff—they started off at a storefront, working at a storefront in a mall in the 80s. Okay. They ended up getting booted out of that, and then they ended up doing the rest of the film in the Mm. backyard of creature and special effects designer James Cummins. So all that stuff was made in a backyard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, those, they were eerie, and they definitely fit, what the movie was about. So they did a great job.
0: Exactly. When talking about the designs of the film, uh, James Cummins said he wanted to create an environment that would complement Cobb's nightmares with its manifestations. In describing his attempt to design the creatures for House, he said, While we hope the creatures are frightening, we want to cut down on gore and shoot for something more surrealistic. He went on to say, the overall feel of the motion picture is that the character of Roger Cobb is experiencing things in a surreal, dreamlike way. So we constructed the beast to achieve a fantastic, almost cartoonish quality, which worked perfectly. Everything in that you got I mean, I won't say the the, the war demon was cartoonish. That was Legitimately terrifying, especially as a kid. I remember right. that thing scared the hell out of me. Well, all the monsters did for crying out loud, like the big freaking lady in this in that suit.
1: That dude,
0: that that's big what scared old me. ugly lady, was like yep. a, a nightmare come to life, man. Holy crap!
1: Yeah, like seriously, it was. That's what freaked me out as a kid. Like, when she comes popping up behind the table. Blah,
0: yeah, and, and like, not only that, but that done. high-pitched, digitized, like, voice. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. It was no. so weird. That was good, though. But it... it Say your prayers.
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. You know what I mean? Like, it was... That yep. was wild, man. That was so crazy. And, actually, speaking of her, Kane Hodder was the stunt coordinator coordinator on this film and Kane Hodder was like uh, uh, Friday the 13th uh, He played Jason He played Jason, yeah, so he's he's done he's done stuff and he talked about an experience where he was actually in the suit of the the big ghoulish fat lady the the monster lady, right? Uh Uh-huh And at one point he was in that plastic bag that Cobb had wrapped the lady up in
1: that he was trying to bury when the chick came trying to, hit to him. bury
0: yeah Damn. and when he beat that with the shovel because there's that scene where he just starts beating the hell out of it right 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 hotter was in the suit and he said <laughs> no. that he was beating him for real like hard
1: <laughs> what
0: yeah He's like, it looks great. I have like, no regrets, but, man, yeah, I took a beating on that one. <laughs> yeah, he
1: was hitting that thing hard. Anytime she'd turn around, he'd just nail that thing.
0: It was wild. But, yeah, that that lady was just scared the freaking hell out of me, dude. And then you've got the, the fish, the, the swordfish, and it's a simple, simple prop, right? Right. But it's effectively terrifying. Right. When it's, like, flopping back and, and forth with that out. squealing, that, that, that blood-curdling scream coming out of its mouth. Right. Oh, my gosh.
1: It, it worked well. I mean, I thought it was great. Like, it kind of reminded me of the original Evil Dead. Yep. The way it started doing that. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool. It took a lot of really great elements and put it in a movie. That was also funny.
0: Yeah, and then back to the whole trauma aspect of it, right? When he shoots the thing and when he you know, when he shoots the thing with a shotgun and then all of a sudden it transforms into his into his wife. Right. You're just like, "Oh." And he's like freaking out. So now it's like, "I just killed my wife." Right. You know? Like Yep. And so he's now he's his emotions already are going even like exploding even harder now. He's not honestly going through every dealing with everything he went through in the past with Vietnam and what he's doing now in the present and what happened with his son. Now he's dealing with the fact, I just shot my wife and killed her.
1: Right. And the cops are on their way. Yeah. Yep.
0: Ugh. Oh man. I just
1: It it has really well thought out tense scenes and I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, so there are like these moments of serious, frightening, creepy things, and then it goes back into this comedy aspect of it that that just that relieves you as an audience viewer. But yeah, yeah, I love yeah, so so much fun. Oh oh, and kind of on the off thing, uh, kind of. On the other side of the visual effects that aren't really creatures, you've got those gardening tools that are going around fly, flying around oh the house. Oh, my
1: gosh. I think that was the only thing that I was like, I rolled my eyes at. Because just... the thing.
0: Here's the thing, Billy. Here's the uh-huh. thing. Okay. As a kid, I never looked at gardening tools the same way again. <laughs>
1: Good point, good point. They could come off my, the wall at any time. Because my parents
0: had this shed in their backyard, and they had a, a bunch of gar- a bunch of evil, rusty-looking gardening tools back there. And I always, every time I walked in it, it was always like my imagination was sh- go straight to house and be like, man, if these things come to life and start freaking floating around trying to kill me, I'm just going to die. And you know
1: what? I'm glad I never went into that shed because your house was already haunted at that time. <laughs> I didn't want to add to that. So.
0: but it's 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 crazy though it's like oh, so many things from this movie stuck with me throughout my life and like seared into my brain i right. I still even like even to this day when I see gardening tools with sharp edges and like hedge clippers and the sickle or a hoe uh you know all that stuff when I see one, it's like my mind immediately reverts back like oh <laughs> house. <laughs> right. So stupid, but that's what I do. It's so weird.
1: You know, speaking of weird scenes, so remember when the monster pulls uh the first time he when he pulls Roger into uh the closet and he goes to that Vietnam scene. Yes. And George Wentz character is supposed to be holding on to the fishing line to bring him back. Yes. And at some point loses it. Yep, And then we go to a full scene where he's in Vietnam and all this stuff and when he comes back out the closet if you look George Went has full-on gone into breakdown mode. He's chugging a bottle of Jack Daniels. He's got (laughs) snacks everywhere. There's comic books everywhere. And you could tell he was just resigned like how am I going to explain this shit? I was in this dude's house. He disappeared. What do I do? So he just resigned himself to lay on the mattress that's on the floor and drink himself to death.
0: Now, I'm glad you brought that up, Billy, because this scene
1: mm-hmm.
0: is William Kat's favorite scene in the movie. Really? He talked about it uh, in the documentary that was made for the film uh-huh. and how he just loved George Wendt's reaction to him because in that scene, before that takes place, he invites Harold over to his house to help him. Because the first time he brought Harold over,
1: mm-hmm.
0: nothing happened. He like had him there to like show him the monster. When he pulled the door open, nothing, nothing. was there. Yes. And he's just like, ah, oh, crap. He's all decked out in his military gear, all that stuff. The second time around, when he brings Harold over, one of the first things he does is he takes those goggles and he puts them on his, he puts them on Harold's head. Yes. <laughs> Harold's like, you? kind of like, and he loves George Wentz's reaction to everything that is going on in that scene. While Cat is saying all the dialogue, it's Harold's reaction that is so funny to everything that is being said because he's like, "Remember that monster I told you about? Well, it turned out to be it." raccoon and I got it trapped in the closet right now. It's in there, right now. He explains like how the how this is all working and stuff like that. He's like and he hands him this harpoon gun. It's like when, when I open that door, when I open that door, Harold. Which is the fire that thing. Right between the eyes. He like knocks him in the face. He took his finger and he knocks yep. him in the goggles, right? Yep. <laughs> and he just gets so serious and so overhyped and you know and he's just building this raccoon up to be something so sin- serious and deadly it's so sinister right like this raccoon you cannot miss Harold you cannot miss like you have to get this thing and you have to hold on and and Harold's just like his eyes are just like you know his face is just shaking and nodding and, and affirmative to the, to what he's saying <laughs> right? right and so Harold's reaction to when he opens up that closet and that monster comes running out and that Harold's face just like bursts into like fear of craziness is just one of the best things ever. It is. I love it.
1: it. And that's what I'm talking about. The, even though it's got its comedic elements, there's a lot of jump scare, real reactions to these things. Yeah. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Seriously. Uh One of the other things that I really enjoyed in the film is where he goes to the bathroom window Oh yeah. He like breaks it and there's this complete blackness and he's like repelling down in the darkness and this like crazy bat skeleton comes out of the dark. I'm like, oh man, I love that design. That thing's so creepy cool.
1: And then what what always got me is that when he cuts the line, when he's hanging on the rope and the the bat skeleton thing cuts his line. Yeah. And he falls, I was like Dude falls a, f- a long way, dude, man. Dude,
0: forget it, man. Again, it it's like- one of those nightmares, dude. It's one of those surreal it- nightmares that they were trying to capture with the movie.
1: Like, we all felt that feeling of falling. Like, all of a sudden, something breaks, and like you wake up in a jolt. Yeah. You're like, oh. That's yeah, crazy. Like, it hits right in the visceral senses, man. You're like, oh, man. I would hate for that to happen.
0: Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you it's but in one of the paintings... Of uh-huh. the unfinished painting in the storage shed with all the tools uh-huh. and stuff, that painting depicts basically the story of what is happening. So it's got the kid in the window, which yep. is creepy as hell. You've got the clock that strike that has the the hands are at twelve o'clock. The garden tools are in there and everything. So it's like everything that is happening is like in that painting, like right with the ant like walking into the light, which is just terrifying in itself, like right. So, uh, just a few tidbits of information to go through now. The books that Roger wrote.
1: Oh, bro. Yes. The book titles. The book titles. The (laughs) best book titles out of anything. First
0: Uh, one is Blood Dance.
1: mm -hmm. I want a t-shirt of the second one. (laughs) Uh.
0: Sword of Bad.
1: I need that shirt so bad <laughs> because I just wanted people to go,
0: what? It'd make a great t-shirt though, dude. And I think it the would. only people that would get it is if you went to like a horror convention like Monster Palooza. If you walked around with a t-shirt that said Sword of Bad on it, only true horror fans would understand what that meant.
1: Yeah, but, well, like I have my Stephen King Rules shirt and the only person at Comic-Con that got it was a security guard. Yeah. I wore it all through the convention, and the only one that got it, as we're checking in, goes, oh, hey, Monster (laughs) Squad.
0: Nice. I was like, yes,
1: finally, somebody. But yes, I'm going to have to definitely look into a sort of bad shirt.
0: Yes, and if it doesn't exist, then we can just make one.
1: Yeah, we'll just have to make it.
0: If our friend Free is listening to this, which I'm sure he eventually will, you should make a sort of bad T-shirt design for us.
1: Please and thank you.
0: Please and thank you, yes.
1: (laughs) I would appreciate it.
0: Let's see. The for sale sign at the beginning of the movie has the name of Craven Realty. Is obviously a nod to Wes Craven. Legendary horror director. Glenn Close and Sigourney Weaver were considered for the female lead role in the film. Which I thought was interesting. Neither one would have worked. I think all the casting ended up being perfect in this yeah. movie. I mean, Sigourney Weaver, already you just see Sigourney Weaver. It's like she would just go in there and just kill everybody and like right. get Roger out of that situation. When you think of Sigourney Weaver, it's like she's not going to deal with any crap.
1: Right. Actually, Glenn Close also, I. she's got that... Crazed, I'm not going to be taken down. Kind of look,
0: yeah. And Dennis, I just,
1: I think that would have taken away from like somebody like that in that role would have taken away from the rest of the story.
0: Yeah, I agree. She
1: she needed to be a forgettable background kind of character.
0: Oh man, that kind of makes it sad for the actress that played the character.
1: Well, that's what we needed though, like because you didn't want to be thinking about her. I know,
0: wow. I know. I'll busting your balls, Billy.
1: Oh, I love my balls.
0: <laughs> Dennis Franz auditioned for the role of the real estate broker.
1: Hmm. There you go.
0: And you know who Dennis Franz is, right, Billy? Yes.
1: Okay. Yep. Does everybody else know who Dennis Franz team. is? Let's just hope they do. He
0: was in this wonderful little indie film called Bottle Shock. Wow. All right. He was in Get Shorty and a bunch of other things. The guy's done a ton of stuff, but... You know who Dennis Franz is. If I need to explain it to you, get out of town.
1: Get out of town.
0: Okay. The film originally ended with an unrelated monster in the pool that needed to be defeated to rescue the boy. But the director wondered if the missing boy could be tied to the Vietnam subplot. Roger originally dropped from the rope into the water found his boy fighting a monster underwater and then fought to rescue him before surfacing in the pool. Wiley, the writer, agreed on Miner's point and wrote a new ending, which works wonderfully to bring it all together. Them rising from the pool was the original end, but they added the arrival of a skeleton, Big Ben, played by Richard Mole. Yes. Yes. Big Ben, Billy. Let's talk about Big Ben. Ben. Yeah, let's
1: talk about that. Because I used to be scared of Big Ben. Like, up until this most recent viewing, he was always, like, the scary monster. Why is that, Billy? (laughs) Because he's huge. He's a huge zombie skeleton-looking dude. And then, (laughs) on further review... Those
0: close-up shots... (laughs)
1: You can see the guy in the suit talking as the motorized mouth is going. So he's got two mouths, the one inside and the one that's supposed to be on the outside.
0: Yes, it, took, is, took it was quite it funny. It. And it's something I, I don't know why I never noticed it before, but I didn't. But yeah, you could see the double mouth.
1: Yeah, it was it was hilarious. But it did take away from some of the scariness of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. But he was great. The guy who was actually in that suit, apparently, like, the skull mask was, like, really tight on his face and, like, was, like, pressing up against his nose a lot. And apparently he had to be in this suit for a long time. And it just really kind of, like, messed him up. Oh, really? Like, like it was kind of like a mental challenge, a mental pain challenge to get through that for him. Okay. Okay. But I kind of want to go through some lines of dialogue from Big Ben because that guy (laughs) had some good quotes in this movie.
1: Oh, man. yeah, And
0: one that I quoted often when I was a child. (laughs) Really? Was, damn, come back from the grave and run out of ammunition. I used that line while playing with my G.I. Joes so many times. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a good line, though. It makes sense. It's so funny. But, like, when Ben is chasing Roger through the house, like, he is just spinning off one line after another, like, you're pissing me off, Roger. <laughs> you lost, buddy. You know, just, like, little things. Uh-huh. It's funny. When I was looking for quotes, I found this thing that says, 100 Big Ben Skeleton quotes in house, 1985. And I'm like, oh, man, 100? And I'm like, oh, there's like 10. <laughs> right. There aren't 100 here. Get out of town. But anyway, you get it. Ben was a fun character, though.
1: Oh, I loved Ben. He's probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Besides George Went. They're, they're a package deal. It was great.
0: But during that scene when he's chasing him through the house, things are fun mostly through that. It's mostly playful horror. You know, he's shooting machine guns, runs out of bullets, and he starts like you know, grabbing after him. This is one point Roger goes out the window and then Ben sticks his hand up and he's like trying to grab him. And it's just, it's a weird visual, but it, it's always stuck with me. And then you get this close-up of Ben's face where he like just makes this ah, sound. He's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> okay. And then at one point he gets a hold of Roger's son. And why Ben wants to kill roger's son I 'll never understand like why does he want to hurt him so bad that he's willing to like kill his son and at one point he's got the son he's got his son he's you know yeah. in his grasp and he says i'm gonna kill your little boy unless you kill yourself like what is going on here like this Demon ghost really needs some heavy therapy. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, he's always
1: felt, Roger's always felt super guilty because he left Ben lying there to go get help and then the Viet Cong grabbed him and took him away.
0: Yeah. And he begged, and Ben begged him to kill him. Like, kill me, Roger, kill me. But wouldn't he understand why he couldn't kill his best friend? Like, isn't that understandable?
1: And apparently this this ghost was playing that's what Roger's torment was the whole time I know i
0: i I know, but it's still like one of those things where you' just like you just can't help but think about it It just
1: went deep the the demon went dark
0: the demon <laughs> the demon definitely went dark. went dark yeah it's just crazy how like all these monsters and everything was just had to do with what he was dealing with from the past right and at the same time trying to figure out what the heck happened to his son right. Right. Here's my question. Yes, question. Give me, give me a question, Billy, because I have an answer for you.
1: How long was his son in the upside down?
0: I don't have an answer for you, Billy. I just don't have an answer. I'm gonna say it had to have been a few years. Right. Because the the wife set him and the wife are separated. There wasn't a lot of age difference. It had to have been a year or two. Right, that's what that's what I think because the missing of the sun was still pretty fresh, because yeah. there's that moment where he's talking to his wife on the phone. He's like, "Oh, why?" She's asking him, "Like, oh, why do you keep doing to yourself? Why did you go back there?" You know, like it's something. Right. So it it had to have been fairly recent. I'd say a year or two. Right. So he was there that whole time. That's messed up. Ah. <sighs> Billy, and I'm going to go into like some deep thought here because now I'm like, so the house took the kid. Right. But Roger's dealing with the Vietnam stuff and all of the monsters and all of the stuff he's going through is kind of a personification of his of his experience in Vietnam. So why did the house take the kid in the first place?
1: Right. Just to be an evil house. Just to but be you... an
0: evil house.
1: Yeah, just to be a jerk. Well, and that's, okay, so no, actually, I kind of have a theory on that.
0: Oh, I want to hear it. Go. Okay. Theorize.
1: So I think that's why his, yeah, I think that's why his aunt killed herself. Because maybe her demons were dealing with something in her past that dealt with the child, and she felt so bad that his child got mixed up in it that she couldn't take it anymore. Ah. And hoping that he could come in and take him back.
0: Wow. Interesting. Okay. But look at this bill. I'm going to take this a little bit further and kind Let's of go, go in a direction that you probably haven't thought about before. Do it. Why the hell didn't they just move the hell out of the house? <laughs> why going through this hellish experience? Why is Roger still sticking around dealing with this crap? Why did I mean, okay, the sun disappeared. I get it. All right, never mind. I answered my own question. Yeah. But he's writing the book, and he doesn't think he's going to get his sum back.
1: Right. But it must be somewhere in the back of his mind. It had to have been. Yeah.
0: I answered my own question, and I didn't.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you did it. (laughs) See? The deep thoughts at the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, here we go. The kid who played Roger's son, Jimmy. Mm Mm-hmm. For legal purposes, they had to use twins to play Roger Cobb's son. Right. Yeah. And producer Sean S. Cunningham jokes, and it's a dark joke, but he did say this at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's insurance in case one of the twins gets sick or drowns. Oh, no. It's so bad. So bad. You can't say jokes like that anymore, everybody. You just can't. So, in an interview, we're almost done here, guys. We're almost done. I just want to get it, kind of wrap things up here. But in an interview, Fred Decker is asked, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? And he says, as stated, my version of the house is very different than the one they made. But in the final analysis, I'm not sure mine would have been as successful. What Ethan and Steve brought to the project was a sense of fun, whereas I wanted to do something dour and unrelenting and probably kind of a bummer. So it probably worked out best in the end, except of course for Sean Cunningham not paying me, the cheap bastard. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And he said, just kidding, Sean. The paintings in the house...
1: hmm
0: There were some... Those, were, A lot of those were just creepy-ass paintings. When you watch the movie, take a closer look at them, because you're going to see some really weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were very strange. But with the artist... One of the artists who worked on that was Richard Hescott, and he also worked alongside Bill Stout and Paul Chadwick. And... He was asked if any of those paintings that hung on the walls in that house are still out there. And he says, I've got one left. And that's the one of the swordfish spearing director Joe Dante. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a painting in there that shows a swordfish spearing director Joe Dante. (laughs) But all the other ones were sold. Over the years. But I guess some of them must still exist somewhere.
1: It'd be cool to find it.
0: Yeah. Uh, The other thing that I just wanted to bring up real quick is the title of the movie Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in Hong Kong when it came out was not called House. It was called... Don't go into the haunted house after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of covers it. Yep, and also, you know I, mean? I love the poster of the movie with the disembodied hand. zombie skeleton hand ringing the doorbell. I, yes, it's a, it's again one of those visuals that has always stuck with me ever since I was a kid. I love that design, even though that never happens in the film. We never see. Never. a dead hand, ring a doorbell, it's still just a great freaking visual.
1: We do get to see a dead hand on a child.
0: Ah, that's, well, that's, tr- that's true, but it's not a skeleton hand. It's a chopped no. off hand of a blue monster woman. Yeah,
1: of course with, it
0: was. With, like, crazy red fingernails. It always, like, really made me uncomfortable. That, that creature just made me feel so uncomfortable. Ugh. Yeah, I, I get it. I don't know. Anyway, that's House, everybody. If you have not watched this movie ever, and there's a chance some of you may have never seen this movie, you should watch it. It's It still holds up. It is still a very fun movie. It's still great. And if you have seen the film, it is worth watching again. It's currently on Amazon right now. That's where we got caught up with it. Uh, I also own it on Blu-ray. I own the Arrow special edition of it. House 1 and House 2, which comes with a great little booklet and lots of special features. So that was a fun buy. Great. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful. But I did watch it on Amazon. But then I took out the disc to watch the documentary on the making of the film, which was very interesting as well. So if you get the DVD, you get to watch a documentary too. And I tried to find that documentary on YouTube, but it is not there. So the only place you can watch it is on the dVD special feature that's really
1: freaking cool I'm gonna have to pick that up because yeah that those house one and two is one of my favorite horror movie sequels yeah duos I guess yeah just because they play hand in hand you can yep. go from the it, it feels like a seamless transition you go from Roger Cobb end of that movie gets rid of the house gets bought up and the new owner has troubles too
0: yeah exactly
1: it's fantastic
0: and and who does it have in it, Billy?
1: It's got John Katzenberg.
0: Yeah!
1: So we got both characters from Cheers in the first and the second.
0: Which is awesome. And I love the sequel, too, because it's like a Western. It, it It is a Western. And I love it. I love it. So we, yeah. will, we will talk about that. Not directly after this one. We have no. other horror movies we want to talk about because we are entering Halloween season. And we want to talk about horror movies for the next couple months. A
1: couple classic horror movies are coming up.
0: Oh, and before we go, one more thing that I want to talk about on this movie. The freaking musical score is amazingly creepy, guys. I love yes. this musical score. The musical score for this film was created by Harry Manfredini, and he also wrote the music for Friday, the Friday the 13th movies. But anyway, so you'll, you could hear the similarities, but I love the creepy-ass music in a house so uh, when you watch it just enjoy the music as well yeah I'm excited really to talk excited about, about stuff it. everybody but throughout this podcast we kind of gave you all our quotes we talked about all of our favorite scenes in this movie go watch it thank you for listening everybody as always we appreciate it also don't forget follow us on Facebook and Twitter our handle is at GT Secret Level. Yes. Follow us. Leave us messages. Reach out. Say hi. Throw out some movie ideas that we could uh, talk about.
1: It's not like we're not like hurting for ideas.
0: We've got like hundreds of movies and TV shows and video games we want to get to. But uh, you know,
1: we'll just get to it faster. One thing at a time.
0: One thing at a time. We can take things earlier. We're taking requests, everybody. Billy and Joey are taking requests. Uh, also, GeekTyrant.com for all your movie news, entertainment, everything. We do it all. GeekTyrant.com. We all, I'm writing like 18,000 articles a day.
1: 18,000? Nah, not
0: really. Uh, wish. But we are keeping it updated. We've got a great writing staff that is always doing some great stuff. Billy's wife is one of them. Yeah. She is like, She does such a wonderful job for us. But again, thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate you listening. And stay tuned for next week because we have more cool movie discussions to go through with you. In the meantime, good journey. Good journey. It won,
1: Roger. It tricked me. It didn't. I didn't think it could, but it did. It's going to trick you too, Roger. The house knows everything about you. Leave while you can.
0: Wait, no. Ooh.